seated. Thank you, praise team. This is our youth praise team. Didn't they do a fantastic job this morning? My goodness. Yeah, I'm so proud of each and every one of them. Proud of them as, as though they were my own kids. Those are my, my other kids. Those are my other kids. That's my, that's my other family. And we're so proud of them and so glad that they're serving the Lord and, and here using their gifts and their talents for the Lord. Well, welcome to Nortonsville Church of God, everybody. Welcome all guests that are watching online. Uh, if you would, if you're watching online, just hit that share button, maybe comment, let us know that you're watching. You know, Christmas is in the air. How many of you guys like Christmas? I love Christmas. I love the Christmas spirit. You know, the, uh, the, the Christmas spirit is here. Everybody's Christmas shopping. Everybody is, uh, is uh, having Christmas parties of 25 or less. And uh, there, there's Christmas trees. We even got, we have our Christmas tree up. We did it uh, very soon after Thanksgiving. How many of you guys put your tree up before Thanksgiving? Shame on you. Shame on you. I'm just kidding. Isn't that funny, though, how we just, we don't want to hear about Christmas until turkey is over. But as soon as we say gobble, gobble, we're in the Christmas spirit. Amen? We are. That's just how we operate. I don't know why. It's culture. It's culture. But what kids are most excited about these days are Christmas gifts. Christmas gifts. I know some of you have probably been wondering what in the world is in this big box right here. Christmas gifts. Let me ask you this. How many of you have already finished your Christmas shopping this year? Wow, we got a few people in here already done with your Christmas shop. Now, how many of you are last-minute Christmas shoppers? Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm somewhere in the middle. I get a little bit done early, and then I scrounge last minute to finish up the rest. But a couple were busy shopping one day at a busy shopping center just before Christmas. The wife suddenly noticed that her husband was missing. And they still had a lot to do, so she calls him up on the cell phone. The wife said, where are you? You know we have lots of shopping to do. He said, you remember that jewelers we went to about 10 years ago and, and you fell in love with that, that diamond necklace and I couldn't afford it then uh, at, at the time, and, and, but I told you that one day I'd get it for you. Little tears began to swell up and flow down her cheeks as she got all choked up. She said, yes, I remember that shop. Well, I'm in the gun shop next door to that. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when I read that. My wife said that to me yesterday. I said, I have to share that. I have to share that. All right, I need a volunteer. And the volunteer that comes up will get to open or get what's in this, this big box right here. So the first person to bring me their left shoe, their left shoe, first person to bring me their left shoe gets, gets this present. Now, don't make me come out there and take your shoe off. All right, we've got somebody. First person to bring me their left shoe. Let's, let's give Virginia a big hand. She's coming up. Now, you get to have what's in this box, Virginia. Now, don't open it just yet, okay? I you can come up here. Just stand right here. You get to have... It. Doesn't she look nice this morning? You can put your shoe back on. <clears throat> have you ever given someone a gift, and when they opened it, you, just, you can tell they just really did not appreciate that gift as much as you did when you bought it for them? Anybody? Yeah. So, so what do we do? We, we then proceed to explain 
the gift. We, we say, why this gift is so amazing. Or even better, you're already anticipating that they are not going to appreciate this gift when they open it. So you proceed to explain the gift as much as you can beforehand without telling them what the gift is. And then you say, okay, go ahead and open it. You watch as they, as they uh, open this gift and you hope that they appreciate what is in this gift and, and the time and effort that you put in to this gift. And we say things like, you're really going to enjoy that. And, and you'll thank me later. And, and we know that it's what they need, but they just don't know it yet. They just don't know it yet. And then there's the, the glorious re-gift. You know, you know all of you guys do it in here. Uh, the re-gift. This, it's where you re-wrap your gift that you received and you gift it to someone else and to whom you feel obligated to give a gift. Or even better, you enter into the Dirty Santa gift exchange hoping that you'll get to trade up for something better. Little did you know you received an even worse gift because they did the exact same thing. Have you ever been there? Maybe not. I have. <laughs> I'll admit it, but what about the gift exchange? I'm not talking about the, uh, the, the gift exchange where you, 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 you trade numbers and you pick. I'm talking about where you take the gift back to the store and you exchange it. Have you ever done that? I was taught that when you, when you open a gift that you smile and you say thank you and, and, you, and you take it, even if it's the worst thing on earth, you, 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 know, you fake it and you act like <laughs> you act like you like it. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> this is, these are some of the things that we do. You know, these are, these are first world problems, I would say. Um, and I think some of us even subconsciously categorize people based on how much, uh, we categorize people based on how much we like them, right? And, and we, this, this comes out in our gift giving. For example, Billy, you're going to get a new four-wheeler. And, and Susie, I'm going to give you a pony. And, and uh, to you, you get a gift card to Outback. And, and let's see, you'll get a sweater, and, and you'll get that weird re-gift item that I got and, and, and tried to exchange for. And, and I'll give you some peanuts, and then we'll give you a Christmas card with my family picture. And to you, you, know, you get a Christmas card with no picture. And uh, what am I going to give you? Well, you just have to wait. You just have to wait. But you know, you know I'm speaking the truth, but you know that, that God has given each and every one of us the same gift. It's unmerited, and it's undeserved, it's uncategorized, and it's just for you. Now, Virginia, you, you can sit down, okay? But make sure that you're back at the end of the service and, and you'll get to open this gift, okay? Give Virginia a big hand. Make sure you come back now. Make sure you come back. You're going to have to wait, okay? You're just going to have to wait. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this. Give Virginia another hand. Thank you, Virginia. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared 
beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, for another opportunity to come and to worship you. Lord, to give glory to your name. And Lord, to, to, to learn about you and to, to grow in the grace and knowledge that you have for us. Lord, I pray that this word would speak to our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Turn to somebody and say, salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift. The title of my message this morning is, Open the Gift. There is hope in Christ's second coming. You see, God sent his son Jesus to earth, and he walked, and he lived, and he breathed with the human race. And Jesus willingly gave up his life to take on the punishment for my sins and for your sins. And this is the gift of salvation. In Christ Jesus, this is the gift of salvation. But one day, Christ is coming back. He's coming back for his people. And those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ will have eternal life. I've got a a big text that I want to read through this morning And there's really no way that I can sum this up without reading it. So we're going to read it together. And this is talking about the day of the Lord and and that the day that that the Lord will come back for us. This is in 2 Peter 3, 1 through 8. It says this, reading from the New Living Translation, starting with verse 1. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember that the holy prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through his apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, somebody say in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again. From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately, and I underline that word, deliberately forget that God made the heavens a long, a long ago by the word of his command, and he brought to the earth out of the water and surrounded it with water. Verse 6, then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing. Dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Virginia thought she was going to open this gift just now, and, and it seemed like forever. And, and then she wasn't able to open that gift, and she had to sit down. That was intentional, by the way. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy, godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it alone. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. 
You see, Peter was writing this. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, the one, uh, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And he was writing the second letter. He's already written one. That was 1 Peter. Um, and I challenge you guys to read, read these letters. He's writing this to the Christian church. And in the first letter, he gives encouragement to persecure, uh, per- persevere persecution. Sorry, that's a tongue twister. That they were suffering. And in the second letter, he gives them a refresher, something to jog their memories. He gives them a warning to look out for false teaching and scoffers who will try to debunk Christ's second coming. This letter warns the church against compromising the Christian faith and intermingling things that are not of Christ and that are not Christian in with the Christian faith. We need to be aware of that. This was part of his warning. They don't mix. And if we're not careful, we too can, can incorporate some of these worldly views and things that are not Christian and that are not of the Christian faith with the Christian faith. We need to be aware of them. We need to take Paul's letter seriously. But Peter, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Peter, I said Paul. But Peter assures the church in this letter that there is still hope. Somebody say, there is still hope. Jesus is indeed coming again for his church. And we are to try to be patient for the coming of Christ. And Peter reminds us that we're not the only ones waiting. We're not the only ones that God is patiently waiting for us. He is waiting for us. You know, those were tough times to be a Christian. Those were extremely tough times to be a Christian. And and Christians were being killed and they were being persecuted for their faith. And Peter was basically telling them, don't lose hope because Christ will come back for his people. Maybe you look at today's times you, you turn, turn on the TV and you, you flip on the news and, and you hear what's going on and, and you see what's happening in the world and you say, there's no hope. Maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've seen a person and you've said, oh man, that person is a lost cause. Have you ever heard these words? Maybe, maybe you've said, that person doesn't stand a chance. In the environment that they're in, they just do not stand a chance. They, there's no hope. We've thought these things. We're all guilty of thinking these things. But we'd be wrong because according to the word of God, there is hope. And that that person does stand a chance. And they are not a lost cause. These are some things that we need to think about. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And these signs and these horrible things that we see on television and in the world around us, they are nothing compared to what is to come. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. They're nothing. The persecution, the, the, the turmoil, the strife, the pain, it's nothing compared to what is about to happen. But there is hope. Jesus is coming for his people, and we need to be ready. My youngest daughter is now in preschool, and preschool can be a long day for such a young child. And we drop her off, and she does make the best of it while she's there. But when she sees our van pull up in that parking lot, she is watching, and she is ready, and she makes a beeline, darts over to us, and jumps in our arms. She is ready to go. She is being watchful. She is ready to go when we get there. You know, we need to be like that. 
We need to be like that. When, when, when Christ comes back, we need to have some expectancy and we need to be ready to go. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go with Jesus when he comes back? What if I asked you these questions? Is Jesus coming again? Will you go to heaven? What is, it going, what is going to take place when Christ comes? What will that look like for his people? How and when is Christ going to come back? How would you answer these questions? If you know the answer to these questions, then, then that's awesome. That's great. If not, that's okay too. We're going to go over some of this. We're going to try to unwrap some of this for you today. So what is going to happen? We look to Scripture to find some of these details. I've put some slides on the screen just to kind of give you a visual of what has already happened and what is to come. Uh, let's talk about the first advent. This is the first coming of Christ. This was the, the, the birth of Jesus Christ. This was the waiting, the expectancy of Jesus Christ. That already took place. Next, we're in the church age. This, right now, is the church age. If you looked at it on a timeline, there's the birth of Christ, then there's from Christ till now, we are in the church age. This is the age of the church. And then next, I've put together a timeline for you to, to talk about what is going to happen because Christ is coming. And here's, here's a timeline, and I think there can be some confusion, and even I get confused sometimes, and that's okay. But when we read Scripture and when we, when we dive deep into Scripture, we can look at, at the details that it does describe and, and, and know these things, that there will be a rapture. And when the trumpet sounds, we will meet Christ in the air. There's a difference between the rapture and the second coming. You see, the rapture is when, is when Christ comes and, and we meet Christ in the air and he takes his church up into heaven. Then there's the tribulation. There'll be seven years of tribulation. There's three and a half years of worsening conditions and signs, even worse than what we see now. Then there's three and a half years of the Antichrist, the rule of the Antichrist. But you see, the rapture protects God's church from this tribulation. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be left behind and stuck in tribulation. And then there's the second coming of Christ. After these seven years, after these signs, after the Antichrist rules, Christ will reign for a thousand years on earth. The earth will be de destroyed and there will be a new heaven and earth. This is the second coming of Christ. I could go into a lot more details, but just to, uh, to, to maybe give you some scripture to back some of this up, we have the, what is called the believer's hope. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16, it says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a, a commanding shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God first, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive on earth and remain on earth will be called up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. So we encourage each other with these words. You see, the rapture protects God's people. Christ is coming again. And the, and the rapture protects his people. Uh, David Jeremiah says it like this. The rapture will protect God's saints from the tribulation. The seven years of judgment that will be poured out on earth between the rapture and the second coming of Christ 
There are some who argue the tribulation period will begin before the rapture. However, the Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 and 1, which suggests that the church will not experience God's judgment during the tribulation. You see, the difference between the rapture and the second coming is at the rapture, Jesus returns for his saints. At the second coming, Jesus returns with his saints. With his saints. I'm not trying to confuse anybody, but these are some things that we can learn from Scripture. The rapture will be quick and in a moment. It'll be in the blink of an eye. Nobody will see it coming. There are no signs for the rapture. There are signs for the end times, but there are no signs that say the rapture is going to take place. It will be in a moment. Unexpected, you will not see it coming. The difference between that and the second coming of Christ is that everybody will see the second coming of Christ after these seven years of tribulation. So, I said all of that to say this. We don't need to worry about the details of what it's going to look like and how it's going to happen. There are some things that we need to focus on, though. The Bible talks about some things, but... It doesn't say when it's going to happen. Jesus himself said this in Matthew 24 and 36. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. We may not be able to know the exact time of his coming, but we can learn from Scripture a little bit about this subject. The questions that we should ask are, you know, The questions we we should ask are not, what will it look like, but rather, what do we need to do now? What do we do while we wait? While we wait, what do we do? Peter concludes his his letter here in uh, chapter 3, and he says this, starting with verse 14. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patient gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends. So be on guard. I underline that. Be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of those wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. Jesus is coming. Somebody say that. Jesus is coming. And Peter gives us some very clear instructions. He tells us to make every effort. And if you're taking notes, you can jot these things down. These are the things that we need to focus on. We need to make every effort to first be found living peaceful lives. Is your home peaceful? Are your relationships peaceful? Is there turmoil and strife? Is there bitterness in your life and in your homes and in your relationships? 
Is there unforgiveness or hatred stored up in your heart? Peter is is telling us, don't be so tense. Don't be so hateful. Don't be so angry. Lighten up a little bit. We don't have to be so tense about all of this. We can have a peace knowing that Christ is coming back and that we have that hope living in our lives. Be found living peaceful lives. The second thing that we can learn from this passage is be found blameless in verse 14. Not just in our own view, we can't be blameless. We can't just justify our own sins and our own actions and be blameless in our sight, but we have to be blameless in God's sight. You see, if we try to do this, if we try to be blameless under our own power, we will fail every single time. Every single time. We cannot be blameless in our own power. We need Christ in our heart. You need the Holy Spirit working in your life. You need Christ to come into your heart so that he can wash your sins white as snow, never to be remembered again, cast into the sea of forgetfulness. You can be blameless through Jesus Christ our Lord. The third thing is we need to remember that God is being patient. God is being patient. We, we see this in verse 15. It says, don't grow impatient and lose hope. God is like the patient, loving father who is waiting for his child to do the right thing. He is waiting on us. He is waiting on us. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be caught when the rapture comes and I've waited so long and he's waited so long that I'm not ready. He's being patient. He's being patient with you. Get ready because he will only wait so long. The fourth thing that we can learn in verse 17 says to be on guard, be on the lookout, protect yourself, be vigilant. Be vigilant and watch out. Be self-aware. You see, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll do it when you let your guard down. He'll do it when you let your guard down. So be on guard. Be vigilant. Recognize when Satan is trying to creep back into your life and deceive you. Be on guard. And then I love this in verse 18. He says, grow in grace. You see, we don't always get these steps right. We don't always get all of these things just right. But that's where God's grace comes in. That's where God's grace is sufficient for you. Verse 17, it says, be on lookout. Be on guard. But in verse 18, it says, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then the sixth thing that we can can learn is that we look forward to the day and hurry it along. The Bible actually says that we can hurry it along. In 2 Peter 3 and 12, it says, God's people can hasten the day that the Lord's return will come by repenting and living godly lives. Godly lives. Is Virginia still in here? Bless her heart. I think she's, I think she's making coffee downstairs. I was going to have her open this gift now. My next point, I'm going to open it. Pastor Greg, you want to open it for Virginia? That's, that's the best. My son loves opening other people's presents. All right. We're going to, we're going to cheat 
and then just lift it up, and you can grab what's in that. Oh, she came back. She said, don't you dare open my gift. All right, we were going to open it for you. Bless your heart. She was serving the Lord downstairs making coffee. All right, Virginia, you can get what's in that gift. Now, Virginia, if you already have a Bible, then you, then you, then you can re-gift that to someone who, who needs it more than you do, okay? I do need that receipt back, though. Thank you. <laughs> All right. God bless you. Give Virginia a hand for running up the stairs to open her gift. She did not want to miss that. You see, salvation is the greatest gift of all. It's the greatest gift that we can have for ourselves, and it's the greatest gift that we can give to somebody else. We need to open the gift. And you can start by opening the gift of salvation. You see, God is waiting for you, but you don't have to wait till everything is perfect. You don't have to wait till everything looks just right to invite Christ into your heart. You don't have to wait like Virginia did to open her gift. You can do it now. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And if you would like to do that now, if everybody would just bow their heads, close their eyes. If you're watching online, you can repeat this prayer. You can say this prayer to invite Jesus Christ into your heart. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, if you believe in that prayer, and you invited Christ to come into your heart, the Bible says that the angels in heaven are rejoicing for your salvation. And you, you too can be ready when Christ comes again, because he is coming. Philippians 3.20 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. So you open the gift of salvation. What do we do now? We need to share the gift. We need to share the gift of salvation. In Titus 2.11, this is my closing scripture, and praise team can come. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. These are the things that we need to do now. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and, and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Lord, Lord, we thank you for this, this word. Lord, we thank you for this glorious hope, this believer's hope that we have, that you are coming again. 
And Lord, I pray that we would be ready, that we would be watchful, that, that we would be on guard, Heavenly Father, waiting for the day that you will return. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here in this room, if there's anybody that's watching this online that has not opened the gift of salvation and invited Christ into their heart, Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, do a work in their life. Meet them right where they're at, right now in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we believe on your word. Lord, we stand on your promises. We believe that they are true and they will be fulfilled. In your precious holy name, in the name of Jesus, amen. Right where you are, just worship with our praise team. You can... You-